0: Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we want to make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you want to speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site That says donate, and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church, in our city, and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. We are in a series right now called Grown Ups. And last week we started this series. This is a book study, or I should say a letter study, because even though we call it a book of the Bible, it was originally written as a letter to the church. And so this is the letter of James addressed to the church. But we talked about this idea that, you know, growing older is mandatory, but growing up is optional. Unfortunately, growing old is mandatory, right? But but we know that just because somebody matures with their age doesn't mean that they mature with their life. And the letter that James writes to the church addresses the issue of spiritual maturity. And one thing you have to understand is that immaturity, regardless of what context it's in, doesn't really look good on people. I was reading an article this week from a guy, and he said, my wife accused me of being immature, and I told her to get out of my fort. That's a good one, I thought. James chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, uh, James chapter 1, we're going to be at verse uh, 2. One person said it this way, spiritual maturity is becoming more like Christ. That's, that's how they define spiritual maturity. And you need to understand something about growing up spiritually. It's a process that never stops. As long as you're alive and as long as you're breathing on this earth, God is at work inside of you, changing you and des- desiring to change you to be more and more like His son. Romans chapter 8 verse 39 talks about that. So James is writing this letter. And James, for a recap for those of you that weren't with us last week, James, most Bible scholars believe, is the half-brother of Jesus. So James is writing this letter as a believer in Jesus, but you need to understand the backstory. He wasn't always a believer in his brother. I mean, when your brother goes around and starts saying that he's the son of God, you're going to probably be a naysayer on that, right? The the same brother that, you know, I sit with and, and I, you know, partake in life with, he is not the son of God. But something changed in James's belief system from the time that he was trying to have his brother taken and do an intervention to the time that he takes over as the head of the church of Jerusalem, something happens. The book of Acts says that Jesus actually visited James at one point in his resurrected state. So James's belief system, for me personally, is another proof among many proofs that the resurrection is real and it actually took place. Because what's gonna convince somebody that is a naysayer and a doubter more than seeing the resurrected body? So if your brother goes around saying he's God is one thing, but for your brother to say he's God and then you watch him die and three days later he comes into your kitchen and has a bowl of cocoa puffs with you, you know that this is the real deal. And so James's belief in Jesus really affirms me that he really indeed resurrected from the dead. And the whole Christian belief is predicated on the resurrection of Jesus. Because a lot of people have claimed to be God, but only one tomb has been emptied. And that is the tomb of Jesus. And that's why our faith is so powerful. Because we serve a God that is resurrected, that has conquered death once and for all. But James is writing this letter. And there's issues going on in the early church. And a big problem is they are being persecuted by their belief system. They, they didn't want to hear that Jesus was the Messiah. So a lot of the Jewish belief system was pushing these guys out. They were being threatened. And so they dispersed. And so they went to all these different places. Well, anytime somebody is coming after your life, whether it's physically, emotionally, emotionally, whatever, you, you're, it's going to have a tendency to discourage you a little bit. So they were dealing with this dispersion. They were dealing with this discouragement. And then James, as he's writing this letter, he's, he's also addressing this idea that their faith was kind of dead. It was kind of stale. They had stopped growing. They had stopped maturing in their belief system that Jesus was the Son of God. And so when he's writing this letter, he's, he's trying to speak into that space of discouragement and deadness. And he says this, he says in verse two, he says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials or problems, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete. And what that means is being mature, lacking in nothing. So right out the gate, he's writing this letter to a church that is dispersed, discouraged, and kind of dead. And he says, hey, one of the solutions to your issue is your problems. To the point where he's saying, consider it joy. Which at first reading, if you're going through problems and somebody comes in your life and says, man, you just need to celebrate that you're having issues. You're like, are you being sarcastic right now? Like, I have real problems in my life. How do you expect me to throw a party right now? But that's really not what he's saying here. He's really getting to the heart of the matter, and that is everybody goes through problems in their life. Matter of fact, there are three kinds of people in this world. People that have had problems in their life. The second group of people are the people that are having problems in their life right now. And the third group of people are people that are about to have a problem in their life. There are three groups of people in this world. And so this message isn't just speaking directly to the space that these guys were at. I think it's speaking to all of us. Because one thing is true about you, and that is you have problems in your life. And those problems, just like these problems for these people, can have a tendency to discourage you. These problems can have a tendency to just kind of stop you from moving forward in your life, especially your life with Christ. You can kind of start feeling dead on the inside because these problems start overtaking every aspect of your life. But I like this letter that Peter writes in his letter in 1 Peter. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you were going through as if something strange were happening to you. In other words, your expectation by default is not, I shouldn't have any problems in my life. You're expectation by default should be, I should expect to have problems in my life. They're not, they shouldn't be something strange. It shouldn't be like, well, I, I follow Jesus, so I shouldn't have any problems in my life. Jesus didn't ever say that. Matter of fact, I will tell you that what James is telling us here is something we all need to get our heads around. And that is great things are born out of painful moments in our life. Ladies, if you've had a baby, you know what I'm talking about. Now, I've never had a woman that gave birth to something and uh, a, a kid something. <laughs> that is something, right? They've never given birth to a child and it's like, ah, whatever. You know, that's a great thing, but you know, unless you had an epidural, that was a painful moment. My wife had an epidural, the second baby. Kylie, our first baby, she was born too quickly. And my wife said, I'm never going to have another baby in my life. And then somebody said, why don't you get epidurals? So she discovered epidurals, and we were able to have two more children. All right. But I say that to tell you that when we go through problems, it really tees us up to see God do incredible things that would otherwise never be seen by us. Problems have a way of showing us and revealing us amazing things about God and His kingdom, unlike any other space that we live in. To experience the wonders, you have to cross through the wilderness. Jesus had to do this before he was launched into the signs and wonders of his ministry. The Spirit led him into the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days. I always thought about that. Then you start thinking about the other stories in the Bible that kind of go along with that. You have the story of Moses. Before he was led to release the Israelites from the captivity of the Egyptians, he also had his time in the wilderness. But we always want the wonders without the wilderness, but the wilderness actually sets us up to experience the wonders. And one thing is true about our lives is they always take us through a wilderness season. But I want you to know that what seems to be a setback could be possibly a setup up that God is doing to upgrade your life. And he will very much use the problems that you're going through for the upgrade that he wants to give you. I like this quote by Billy Graham. I read this years ago, and it just stuck with me. He says, mountaintops are for views and inspiration, but fruit is grown in the valleys. The valleys are where the problems are. The valleys are where the trials are. And it's in that valley that God cultivates something where our lives begin producing something they would otherwise have never produced. We love our mountaintops, but you know what? We sure do like some fruit, don't we? But the fruit comes in the valley moments of our lives. A friend of mine went through a very tough, difficult season the last month with his son. And uh, he didn't know what to do with this boy. And I went over his house, and this is a really tough, kind of macho guy. And I went over his house, and his son is going through some stuff, going, getting, getting into drugs and really... Getting away from his relationship with Christ. And, and I went over to my friend's house and he's just weeping with his wife. Just weeping. I've never, this guy would have never shown me a tear ever before. Um, he's just kind of one of these macho guys. And he was just talking to me the other day. I saw him again. He goes, I am so embarrassed that you came over my house and I was just a mess. I said, Don't ever be embarrassed about that. I said, In that season of your life, I'm glad I was able to be there for you he said as tough and as difficult as the season has been for me I have never felt closer to God and have seen the hand of God move from my life than I am in this season that I'm in right now and of course nobody wishes that on anybody a matter of fact you might even have a problem that you remember having in your past and you might even be thinking like you know what it was because of that problem coming into my life it launched me into these amazing things that have happened for my life. I would never want to repeat those experiences, but I'm sure glad I went through them and experienced them to make me the person that I am today. I've talked to so many people like my friend that are in that same place. Well, let's break this scripture down because it does sound a little counterintuitive to consider it all joy when you go through various Trials. I, I like this word to consider. And the word consider in the Greek language, language, language means to lead. And I looked at that in the Greek language. Our New Testament is written originally in the Greek, and I was looking at this word to lead. It says to lead with joy as you encounter various trials. I was thinking to myself, this makes so much sense because, see, joy is not an emotion, joy is an attitude. And a lot of us are missing this. We falsely equate joy with some kind of an emotional state that we're supposed to have. So Nobody wants to emotionally be happy, as a lot of people translate joy to be, when they're going through pain. I never see somebody break their legs. I'm so glad. I'm just feeling so happy right now. Nobody feels that. But this is a, this is a mindset. And so James is saying, hey, when you go into a problem, go into that leading the situation with joy in other words fix your attitude before you go through whatever it is you're going through because here's what you need to understand your motion will dictate your emotions so when you lead with joy it has the capability of changing the outcome of how you handle the very pain and problem that you're going through And I see this so much in my own life as I've went through some really major difficult moments. Matter of fact, you know, going back to that idea that great things are birthed in painful moments, I'm thinking of how this church was birthed. And we were going through a season of our ministry in Vegas where I didn't know what God was doing, but I knew that he was making me uncomfortable in the season. We were living in Bakersfield, traveling to Vegas, and I'm just like, this isn't quite right. And it was It was hard. It was difficult. It was painful. Driving four and a half hours in the desert every weekend, going, Why, God, right? But I believe now, in hindsight, God was preparing me to launch this church. Because God never wastes a hurt and he never wastes a painful experience. And as I look at this idea of of an attitude, When I have the right attitude, when I come into the situation with joy in my head, the happiness that I'm looking for, that I'm wanting to live with, I think it will eventually line up with my attitude. Choosing joy is one of the cultural values of Atmosphere Church because we don't always feel like being joyful. But again, joy is not a feeling. It's an attitude. I like what Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, talking about Jesus and the joy that was before him. He says, we must focus on Jesus, the source and goal of our faith. He saw the joy ahead of him, so he endured death on the cross and ignored the disgrace it brought to him. Then he received the highest position in heaven, the one next to the throne of God. He saw the joy before him. In other words, he wasn't looking forward to going to the cross in the painful experience that it was going to bring him, he looked beyond the painful thing and saw the outcome of what that painful thing was going to birth, not just his life, but in the life of every single human being that would ever live upon the face of this earth. And that was the joy that was set before him. He had this attitude where it's, go- it's beyond the emotional thing that I'm feeling right now. I see something ahead that has given me this fixed attitude that is going to get me through whatever difficulty or painful moment that I'm going through. What is the future for us? Well, if we're all healthy individuals, we can guess that we're going to live to be, what, 80 years old? 85 is the average age of a human being's lifespan in America. I don't know what it is. But if you live 80 to 85 years, you've lived a long, good, life. But then what? What happens when we die? What's next? And how foolish is it that we leverage everything in our life right now for these 80 years, when in reality, there is an eternity that is waiting for each of us. And God says, I am preparing you now in the state that you're in for the greater eternal life that you're going to live once you die. And how foolish is it that we get so caught up thinking about our experiences now when God says, I'm using these things to fit you well for eternity. And it's not just about heaven and about living in eternity when we die, but it's about the great things that God is looking at birthing right now in your life and in your future and the things that are to come that right now you're not fully prepared yet to receive. But when we go through a trial, the best way to have this attitude of joy is to get that eternal perspective, to set your mind as Colossians, the letter to the Colossian church says, to set your mind on the things above rather than the things on this earth. To have that eternal perspective to say, all right, God, I may not like the space that I'm in right now, but I know this is a passing storm and that, God, greater things are still to, to come in my life for now and for all eternity. And that will change the attitude. Can I tell you something, church? Are you too emotionally driven in your life right now where your problems are crushing you? Or are you getting to a position where you're saying, you know what, I'm not going to let my emotions take me down. I'm going to let my attitude adjust my emotions. Happiness is fleeting, right? You, you might have a team that won yesterday's game. And so you're feeling happy. And if you're like Terry, you're rooting for the Cowboys and you're not feeling happy. But for all of us Rams fans, we're happy. But emotions come and go. If you let your life be led by emotions, you are going to be a yo yo for a human being. Because your emotions are like this all the time. If you want to live life better, then don't live life predicated by your emotions, live life, predicated by the attitude. And here's the, here's the good news, is when we receive Christ, we receive the fullness of joy. That means when Christ comes into us, he plants something inside of our souls that is able to dig joy out and give us that attitude of joy, no matter what external circumstances are pounding on our life. So if you're a person like, I, I don't, I want that attitude of joy, but I just don't have it. It starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, it says the Spirit gives us the fruit of joy and we need to think about that. Now, I like how Romans says this whole thing in James. He, Paul writes it a little bit differently, but it's the same idea. And we're going to break this down on what trials do for us. It says that not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance proven character and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So Paul writes this thing and he says this. Trials are gonna do things inside of you that no other things would be able to produce in you. And he breaks it down. He says, here's the three things that trials are building in your life. And you might want to write these down for your notes, all right? Number one is that trials build your endurance. Trials build your endurance. Now, this is where Paul says perseverance, but endurance perseverance kind of have very similar meanings, our meanings. And what it is, is in our culture, we don't have a lot of endurance these days, What do I mean by that? We give up a way too easy on everything that we get involved in. It's just really easy to give up on things, right? It's easy to give up on a diet. It's easy to give up on an exercise plan. A couple years ago, (laughs) I set out to do a triathlon. And I love swimming and I love bicycling. But the one part of the triathlon that really was getting at me was the running part. And so I said, I need, I need to really build up endurance for the running aspect of this triathlon. So I set my alarm. I got up at six in the morning. I was gonna run a couple miles and really start building up my endurance. I ran the first day, the, the two-mile run, you know, my my shins were hurting, I was tired, I was walking more than running. And I said, Why did I even have this stupid idea of a triathlon? What am I trying to prove? I don't need to do this and I stop pursuing their triathlon after one run. Yeah, I'll go to the gym all day long, but man, you put me in a run of running 5K, I'm like, no, I would rather not do that. And I don't know what it is that maybe you've given up on real easily, but God is wanting to produce endurance in us. He's wanting us to have staying power. Why? Because... Finishing is better than starting, and the reward isn't for those who start. The reward is always for those who finish, and if you don't have the endurance to finish, you will never get to the place where the promises of God can become your reward. Listen to what Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will then you will receive all that he has promised. God has promises for your life. But those promises cannot be given to you unless you finish the things that he's called you to do. I I like also what James goes on to say later on in chapter 1 and verse 12. It says, blessed are those who endure when they are tested. When they pass the test, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised for those who love him. And there's some good debate about what that crown of life is. Is that like a special reward we get in heaven when we die? Or is this something that God just kind of gives us now as we're living our life, as this life upgrade? Like we're living with this more satisfaction in our lives now. I think it's a little bit of both. The blessing is enduring because if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you want to quit. And he'll oppose you and he'll try to discourage you. Why? So you'll throw in the towel. And why is the devil relentless to trying to get us to quit? Because, Because the devil doesn't want us to receive the promises that God has reserved for us. So he's going to get after you and try to discourage you so that you'll stop running, so that you'll stop moving. Why? Because there's upgrades that God is ready to give your life, but the upgrades are only going to come if you finish what you start. And trials have a way of building up your ability to stay, to stand firm, to hang in there. Second Corinthians 3.18, I gave you the scripture last week. Uh, it says, blessed, or uh, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. God is moving us from one glory to the next glory. This tells me that there are upgrades that God deposits into our life as we live this life. Some of you, you've been upgraded from glory to the next glory. But let me tell you something about this word The in-between time, when you're in between glories, when you're in between an upgrade of your life, that's where you have to endure. And trials have the ability to give you that staying power so that you'll hang in there to receive the next glory upgrade that he wants to unleash into your life. So that you'll be a little bit closer to the promises that he's reserved for your life. Who needs that word this morning? Hang in there, your glory's coming. Would you touch your neighbor and say, hang in there, your glory's coming? Don't quit. So when you go through a problem, it's it's building up your endurance. Second thing is trials build your character. Trials build your character. Character in the Greek language simply means an engraved mark. Now what we need to understand is that inside of us, there's the true self. The engra- we have engravings on our hearts. Things that we have done. Experiences that we've had. And they're inside of us. And it forms our character. And here's what you need to understand about character. Character is who you are when no one's looking. And so you need to understand something about trials. Trials have a way of revealing your character like nothing else that you experience in this world will. You really get to know somebody when they go through a problem in their life of what kind of character they really have. Uh, The word tribulations in Romans, it actually means to be squeezed. And so you know what's inside of somebody when you squeeze them. When you get squeezed, what comes out of you, right? This is the idea here, is that people are like, don't try, all right? I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure what's going to happen uh, when you squeeze me. I ate that Chipotle burrito, and <laughs> you may not want to do that. I'm just going to warn you. I don't know if you guys like football, but I was watching the game last week. Um, Chicago played playoff game against the Philadelphia Eagles and it came down to the last five seconds and of course they put the game in the hands of the kicker and the kicker his name is uh, Cody Parkey 26 year old young man he went up there he kicked the winning field goal but the coach on the opposing team had called the timeout so the the field goal didn't count he had to re-kick it and when he re-kicked it it went a little bit too left is now infamous, infamously called the double doink because it hit the left upright of the goalpost, came down and hit the crossbar, and then instead of doinking in, it doinked out, and Chicago lost the game. He's now famously known as the double doinker. Now, here's the problem these kickers have a lot of pressure on them, and so you know what kind of a, a person the kicker is when they go through a painful moment like this, and Cody handled it like a champ. He's like, hey, football isn't my life. It's just what I do. And he went on the Today Show just a couple days ago. He's smiling. He's just like, yeah, man, I just, you know, hey, it just happens. And and I wanted that kick more than anybody, but it just, it didn't roll the right way. And what can I say? Not a lot, but you know what? You're saying a lot about your character just for the fact that you're still smiling and you still get your head up. Cody's character didn't get formed with the double doink. Cody's character was exposed in the double doink. Your character is exposed when you go through a problem in a painful moment in your life. Your reaction to whatever it is that's going on is an indicator. And it's more for you than God. God already knows your character. But I think a lot of times we fool ourselves and we think we have a better character than maybe we really have. And when the problem comes into our life, we're all of a sudden exposed and we're saying, maybe I'm not as far along and mature as I should be. And now I have to take a good long look and evaluation myself because I didn't handle that double doing very well. <laughs> I blew up on that coworker. I chewed out my wife. I uh, sent that email or that text message, you know, to to my kid. And just that regret happened because you didn't handle the pressure well. Trials build your character. I was reading this week a, an article. It that says that, that your gifting will take you somewhere, but it's your character that will keep you there. So, there's a lot of abilities that you might have that will take you into this place, but it's character that will actually allow you to remain there. And God will use problems to build up your character so that He'll write something new on your heart. There will be a new engraving on your soul that when problems come, you'll be, hey, I get it, things happen, but you know what? <laughs> I get to die and go to heaven, man. That's all I can say. You know, this is a problem. But you know what? I'm so thankful that my God is bigger than my problems. So I'll live another day and I'll put this behind me and I'll be a better human being because of what I went through. You see, God wants to rewrite your character and engrave something new on your heart. Just because your character has been a certain way for decades or all of your life doesn't mean you have to live the rest of your days with that same character. God has a character upgrade waiting to give you this morning, if you're ready to receive it, thirdly, is trials builder trust trials build your trust. Hope, this big word in the New Testament really means and is broken down to mean confident expectation. Now, if you're new to faith, you're new to this idea of a relationship with God, it, it might be really uncomfortable for you to go through a problem. Because you don't have anything to draw on as far as your history on the faithfulness of God and how he's been with you in previous situations and experiences. But the longer that you travel in your relationship with God and the more that you are into your faith in Christ, what will happen is these problems will start giving you the ability to have history to know that the same God that was faithful to you back then in that problem is the same God that is going to be faithful with you now in this problem. So the hope, the confident expectation is, hey, God is going to show up and do something really cool in this problem. And a lot of times you need a couple of those experiences under your belt to, to really raise your trust level that God can be trusted. He's not a human being that's going to let you down. Now, he may not answer the issue like you would want him to answer it, but that's where the trust comes in. Because God's ways are better than our ways, and his way of solving your problem is going to be way better than how you would ever want to solve your problem. Here's the big word. You can't have a testimony without a test. If you don't have a test, you simply have an ammoni.. <laughs> And I think too many people have the monies because they haven't really experienced the faithfulness of God when they go through a problem. And so God wants to go out of his way to raise your trust levels so that when a new problem comes to the surface, you'll be, hey, God's got this. How do you know God's got this? Because I've watched him get all of these other things that have happened in my past. And the same God that met me in my past is gonna be the same God that meets me in my present. He can be trusted. Let me give you James 1.5 because this is a, a thing I think most believers miss. It says, if, you, if any of you needs wisdom to know what you should do, you should ask God and He will give it to you. We need wisdom. you got a problem. God wants to solve it. See, too many of us are looking to get out of our problem instead of praying and asking God to give us the answers to the problem. And I have that on a slide there. I don't know if you guys have that. Instead of trying to figure out how to get out of the test, pray for God to give you the answers to the test. He just said it right there, James. like, hey, you don't know what to do. I don't even know what to tell you. But you know what? God knows the perfect answer to how to get you through whatever problem it is that you're going through. He's got the remedy for you. My son had a situation a few weeks ago, and I was praying over him, and I, I didn't like the space that he was in, and, and he wasn't filling it, and so I prayed for him, and God gave me a word of knowledge for him, and if you're not familiar with this expression of word of knowledge, that, that is where God supernaturally gives you a word for the specific situation that you're going through, and I had a word of knowledge for my son, and I told him the word. And he received it. And he said, Dad, I received that because I've been praying and I've been hearing the same thing. The fact that you're repeating the very same thing I've been hearing tells me that God is in that. And what God did for my son Josiah is he showed up and he gave Josiah the solution to the problem that he was facing so that he could get out of the problem. Too many of us are continuing in the problem because we're not going to God asking him for the answers to get through the problem. And if you don't, some of us go through the problem a little bit more than we actually need to. And God's saying, hey, I've got the wisdom to give you. Just listen to me. And in order to hear him, you've got to get still. you got to get quiet. And I don't know why we don't pray more when we encounter a problem. Because here's the reality. Prayer ought to be the first response, not the last resort. Because God's got it. He's got a word of knowledge for you. He knows exactly how to lift you up out of your situation. And for me, launching this church, God spoke to my heart. And he said, call Darren Laws. You guys know that part of my story. For you, it may be, hey, go talk to Jonathan. Hey, you need to listen to this podcast. Hey, you need to to read this book. But the bottom line is, when you start hearing God speak to you, then what he will do is he will start building that trust in you that next time you go through a problem, you could turn to God and avoid maybe delaying the remedy to the problem because you've turned to him quicker than you did before. Here's our take-home challenge. We're going to have some homework. And and here's here's your homework this week. I want you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, to show you maybe ways that you're letting emotions lead your life. That's maybe train wrecking how you're developing as a spiritually mature man or woman of God. And, And the second thing I want us to do is I want us to ask the Holy Spirit to talk to us, to give us the solutions, to give us the answers to the dilemmas that we're all facing. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe God would speak to you, a doctor to go visit. Maybe a supplement to start taking. Or maybe he just wants to divinely heal you and cause you to go to the right person to lay hands on you and just divinely, miraculously take care of whatever it is that you're facing. But I want to leave today as we just worship here at the end and I'll have the, usher, or the uh, worship team come up. Be thinking about that. How is God using the current problem that you're going through to develop you And to allow you to be a fully mature man or woman of God. Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.